0: Holy Spirit. Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become written. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give to you all the power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I would. And this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said in reply to him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command the angels concerning you to guard you, and with your hands, with their hands, they will support you, These you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, when the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Jesus, Jesus
1: Recently, I had a conversation with uh, someone and actually a little group of our young adults about a familiar situation we can find ourselves in here in San Francisco. What do you do when someone approaches you and asks for money? homeless or someone in need, what response we can give. Uh, On the one hand, we certainly want to be, I I assume as Catholic Christians, want to be uh, generous and uh, lend a helping hand. Uh, On the other hand, it's not always clear that giving someone cash will actually be helpful to them (laughs) Uh, or uh, that, well, frankly, that demographic, basically no one really carries cash. None of us have cash on us. Uh, and so it's like, well, what, how, how can we be helpful in that kind of scenario? And it was interesting, it sparked a conversation in which it was kind of creative, like, well, here's some ideas. You know, one person shared that they uh, carried a uh, little gift, a uh, Safeway card they could just give $5 or $10 for groceries, right? Uh, someone else says, well, I'm just pretty honest with people, I can say, hey, I don't carry any cash, but is there some other way? I can help. I'm sure that they even like, have had conversations with people and prayed with people in that moment, a very unexpected kind of thing. And what struck me is as we were having this conversation, the very idea of how to be generous was transformed, (laughs) it broadened our mind. And it reminded me of that very powerful spiritual principle, which is so key as we enter into this season of Lent and it's this that the gift which is given transforms the giver transforms the giver as we enter into Lent we have the opportunity and that's what it's all about right it's about transforming our mind and heart a kind of conversion you got those ashes on Ash Wednesday right I say repent Convert, right? Be faithful to the gospel. That's our goal. But change of mind and heart. Be more like God for others. And what are the ways we do that? Practically speaking, what are the three ways? Prayer, fasting, and food. I get a feeling this might be new to some people. Is this new? <laughs> this is the first time you've ever heard prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We should know these, right? I think we probably do. As we say, that's all right. <laughs> Let's take each one of these in terms, and I want to name how they are, they are not burdens. burdens. It's like, oh, that's again. Uh, I'm with you, but <laughs> there's a way in which prayer fasting are gifts, that when we give them, transform ourselves. First of all, what's the first one? Prayer, exactly, prayer. Prayer transform. That first reading we heard, it's from Moses, right? This begins, Moses said. Let me widen the context. When does Moses share that first reading? Or that, that, those words we hear in the first reading. It's his last will and testament. It's his final words right before the people are going to head into the promised land, right? And he does two things we hear in that first reading. First, he reminds the people where they've been. But then he also does What? He also gives them a challenge going forward of how they can more, most fruitfully come in to enjoy this land flowing with milk and honey. He says, remember you were in Egypt, you were enslaved, you were a no people, and what did God give you? He blessed you, he gave you the gift of freedom, of blessing, of security, of his very living presence in the Ark of the Covenant, the Torah, the gift of the law. he's blessed you in all these ways and now as you're coming into the promised land right to recognize how you've been given because make no mistake it hasn't been an easy journey right how long does it take from the israelites to get from egypt to the promised land 40 years and it's not because moses didn't have the latest gps system (laughs) Right? <laughs> it's not because, like, sometimes, guys, we won't ask for directions, right? <laughs> he knew very well where it was. Why did it take 40 years then? It took 40 years because the people were not ready to enter into that land of promise. They would not have been able to receive God's blessings if they had arrived any earlier. Why is that? Well, you look at those desert stories, complaining, backbiting, jealousy, chaos within the camp, right? They weren't in a position to receive God's blessings. Why? Because they were not prepared to share them. To share them. What do we say? We have our RCIA here, our candidates, our candidates, our sponsors to be for that right of sending for election. What do I like to say in RSA? Why does God bless us? Very good, so we can be a blessing to others. The Israelites were not ready to be a blessing to others, therefore they could not enter into the promised land. That's what kept them. It wasn't just a, a geographical mistake, right? They not know the right lane to get in or something, right? The right road. They were not ready to be a blessing, therefore they could not receive that. So what does Moses say? He says is when you enter into the promised land, your first instinct is to be able to recognize the gift you're given and then Give that back to God. This is that sense of prayer. What does he do? He says, the first thing you do upon coming on the, into the promised land, take, take up a collection. He <laughs> says, get a basket <laughs> and bring all of the first fruits. Bring them all, right? And do what? Offer them to the Lord. Give them back to God. When people say, oh, you know, brother, I don't get a lot of that out of mass. You know, pandemic, it's kind of easier to go to mass on the line and PJs and mass, yeah, it's easier to do that. I say, no, my response to that is, sure, we should be getting something out of mass, but you know what was more important than that, or at least our first instinct? The privilege we get to come to mass, and the question is not what do I get out, but what do I bring to mass? What blessings, what has God given me that I say, God, without the gift of time, without the, my health and my ability to love others and to be in relation with others, I would be nothing. An hour on Sunday, it's nothing. Come to offer, to worship, to pray, to lift our minds and hearts. We will not be able to receive God's blessing in the same way the Israelites wandered for 40 years, weren't able to. Unless Unless we are ready to share the first fruits of what God has given to us, share them back with God. So, what will prayer look like for you? What will that sharing of first fruits look like for you? And what keeps us then from that sense of sharing our gifts or making that offering of first fruits? Well, it's oftentimes not bad things, but it's a way of seeing how those things are simply good for us. And this is where that second great discipline of Lent comes um, what's that the first is prayer then is fasting <laughs> Fast. I just asked the kids just, just, just before mass, but what, what do we fast from? Oh, man. the man, you know what the fourth graders told me <laughs> Giving up you know, video games, kind of sleeping on the floor, whoa, <laughs> taking a cold shower. I'm like, whoa, whoa you're getting no, no sweets account. Like these guys, these guys are putting me to shame. I don't know how you, I was edified by our, our third and fourth graders. We, we think of the ways, we, we give up, but why do we do these things as Catholics? Why do we give good stuff up? It gives us perspective and detachment from those things that we may think we need, but are really in the want category, not in the need category. It opens our hearts to receive the Lord, and we see this at play in the gospel. Jesus goes into the desert, and he's tempted, but in the midst of the temptation, what is he doing? He's fasting, he's fasting. He's denying himself even good things so that he will be able to receive the strength he needs to overcome those temptations. And it's interesting, who tempts him? Satan, the devil, right? What makes the devil the devil? Is it the devil's evil? Well, no, not, I mean, not God created the devil. the devil good. Lucifer, angel of light, why? in every way, in a sense of radiance. It's all kinds of gifts from God, but traditionally there's a reason why the devil fell. Lucifer fell from the sky. It's because all the gifts he had been given, everything he had been given, even eternal life in, in God's presence, was all about how he would possess them for his own self. And so classically, when God offers him all goodness, if he but accords to his will, the devil says, non serviam. Latin, because he wanted, the devil speaks Latin so God can understand. <laughs> Which is what? I will not serve. I will not serve. God had a gift him, but the devil is the devil because he won't share that. It's all about him. So all the temptations that Jesus has are those bad things? Food and drink, change a stone into bread. San Francisco sourdough, that's good, right? <laughs> Sounds good to me, right? Some kind of feat of, of strength or of security. Not a miraculous kind of thing. Even power over nations and cities. We could use peace in the world, and the Lord could achieve that. Those are all good things. But notice that the temptation is not the thing itself, but that's it's all about the one possessing it, right? Change this bread into your food right? Perform this miracle so others see your power. Take over all these if you bow down and worship me. Every response of Jesus is not his own words, but the words of Scripture themselves, and they all have reference to the Father. In other words, fasting helps us to be able to recognize that when we put ourselves the center of the universe, it never works out, <laughs> right? We're not at the center of it. It's kind of a, we call it a spiritual Copernican moment, right? <laughs> the universe revolves around the sun, or our, our, our solar system revolves around the sun. If our lives are at the center of our universe, it's just not gonna work out, right? It has to revolve around the sun, S-O-N, our Lord Jesus. So Jesus says, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's will, right? Perform a miraculous thing. Jesus is going to do miraculous things, but not on his home timetable, but on his father's timetable, right? You should not put the Lord your God to the test. And finally, when it comes to that sense of possession, political power, prestige, Jesus says, God alone shall you worship. Him alone shall you serve. There it is. The only way, and a very powerful way perhaps, to overcome that sense of hoarding or seeing all that we have is just in reference to ourselves is by fasting, being able to give up good things so that we might be of service. Which leads to the the last, if you will, ingredient, tool or gift prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Giving of almsgiving. That is giving gifts. It, it, and here, maybe just to, to step back and do a little, little philosopher for a moment, all right? So, if you, if you hang with me here, I promise a half credit of a philosophy uh, degree at, outside after Mass. I'll sign the form for you. Here it is. Buckled in. Why is there something rather than nothing? Big question. Debates. Yeah, hours of YouTube. Why is there something rather than nothing? It's a, it's a really, it's a pretty short answer. Love. God is love, and love gives of itself. God doesn't get anything about, doesn't get anything from creating universe. God is not more God because there's a created universe, right? God needs nothing from us. That's gonna be God at the end of the day, so to speak, right? And yet, God can't help, if you will, but give of himself to be creative, what we call love, to bring into existence Something other than himself, but connected to himself with abundance and generosity without conditions of any sort. And it's interesting, God in creating the world bestows existence and life. And everything is made by that love. And everything receives that love. But in the culmination of creation, God creates one creature in his image and likeness that can do something a little bit different, and that is something that's not simply created by love, something that's not simply can be uh, and receive God's love, but a creature that can share that love, that can participate in the very divine action of being created in a loving way. And so this is why almsgiving is not simply the kind of giving of money or giving of particular things, that's all in that habit. But it is, if you will, a virtue or an, an attitude, a frame of mind that leads us to see the gifts that we've been given. Once again, they can only be truly possessed when we're willing to share them. What you're not willing to share, you can't truly receive. Wow, that's powerful, that's the gospel today, as we enter into this holy season, 40 days, no doubt, if you're like me, you need 40 days to prepare yourself for the glories of Easter, and for all those who are coming into the church, I couldn't be more excited for you, beautiful, beautiful moment, and to know that the Lord has abundant gifts for you, the gifts of his grace, the gifts of his presence, the gift of the sacraments in your lives, and yet, You and all of us, myself included, will only be able to receive the good things God has for us from Easter Sunday if we are willing to share the gifts we've been given, to offer God the first fruits of our day in prayer, to be able to let go of that which perhaps pulls us, that center of gravity that the world revolves around us, and finally to give of ourselves that we might not simply receive God's love, But like him, be his love to all we encounter, amen?